and welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Emma. And I'm Tash. Hi. Oh, hello. hello. Oh, we almost harmonised there, yeah, Tash. That was nice. That was <laughs> it nice. was beautiful. Can't wait to hear that back. <laughs> How are you, lovely ladies? Good, thanks. How are you? I am absolutely fucking wonderful. Thank you. Me too. Good. Look at us. We're very singy. Are we in High School Musical? Is that what's happening? Together, (laughs) together, together, everyone. Maybe we should do that. Spine, spine. What's what's the podcast called? Spine Chillers and Serial Killers and Musical. Oh <laughs> my god! We'll be like, and then I was got the born knife, and then she got the knife, and stabby, stabby, stabby. <laughs> It'd be terrible. <laughs> I could just be in the background going, boo, <laughs> scary ghost, scary ghost. <laughs> It'd be an instant hit. We'd be instantly famous. Yeah, of course it would. Of course it would. <laughs> the same way that that Rebecca Black song was, you know, that Friday, you know, just because it was annoying. Uh, like a great song. <laughs> yeah, that great song. Never heard of it. Really? You're missing out. It's that oh, it's man. Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. <laughs> Something like that. Wow. It was amazing. Oh, I am missing out. It's why that Katy Perry did the Friday night song. Last Friday night. No. You heard of that one. Did you see Katy Perry wandering around trying to find a seat at the... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I just love... If I was there, that would be me. Lost She's everyone trying to find their seat everywhere, though, isn't she? Yeah, I don't know why they picked on her. It's because of her hat. You could see her. Bless Bless her. her. Oh, I've still no idea what you're talking about. The coronation. The coronation. Was Katy Perry at the coronation? Because she's with Orlando Bloom, isn't she? Oh, is she? Yeah. Are you jealous, Emma? Oh, so jealous. I, I heard love the Orlando thing. Bloom. Damn it. <laughs> Missed your chance. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm married, so I guess it's okay. Yeah. You can see other people. You can just mentally date him, like I'm mentally dating Pedro Pascal. Yeah, okay. But why are we having celebrities at the crowning of the king? That's old Charles's mates. <laughs> He's down with the kids. Don't talk to me about Charles's mates. Has anybody seen that Jimmy Savile documentary? No. Old Charlie Boy was best mates with Jimmy Savile. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Anyway... Moving away from that one, swiftly, shall we do last week's song, which was my song, and it was Come Together by The Beatles, and I had so many answers. Oh, did you? No one liked mine, but everyone liked yours. (laughs) I had somebody comment, actually, that they, they were like, it was Stacey, she was like, I see how Becky did it, but I didn't get happy birthday from the lyrics. But she made that song her own, so well done for that. Aww. So I think we've got to try and throw in some lyrics. Yeah, like, give them a clue. Yeah, make it less obscure. I mean, what can you throw into happy birthday apart from happy, happy birthday, birthday or to you? <laughs> well, I don't know. Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> <Suppose that bit. laughs> anyway, so I got... 
Ruth, Mac, John, Rochelle, Nicole, Pippa, Cindy, and Gary. Well, well oh, done. Guys. Well done, I everybody. Got Fantavia. Go on, Fantavia. I also got Sebastian. Sebastian. I'm going to do that every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also got Jason. Well done, Jason. I didn't get any answers in the emails this week, but maybe next week. Well, that's not true because Mac answered you by email, didn't he? Oh, yeah. A, a week in advance. Yeah, so well done. Yep. So I think we need to make it a little bit easier. Okay. Shall we find out about this guy that went to prison? Yes. <laughs> Play that jingle. Let's do it. Sit down, you boys and girls, and everyone in between. Story time. Dash has stories for you, both funny and obscene. Ooh. Did she swipe right, swipe left, or find out he had a rash? Ew. We're about to find out. Because it's Tinder with Dash. Thank you for that sweet, sweet jingle, mm-hmm. JT, as always. So, guys, this is a story I've been sitting on for quite a while, and I'm actually surprised I haven't spoke about it. As they all do, it started with a match from Tinder. That's why it's called Tinder with Tash, baby. <laughs> we were messaging backwards and forwards, just like really got on well. I was like, oh, surely this is the one. Swapped numbers quite quickly. Normally when you do that, you just get an instant dick pic. Didn't get a dick pic. Instead, I got a phone call. Oh, a prince. Old school. I know. I know. I love a phone call. Like, anyone could call me at any time of the day. I wouldn't. I would have thrown my phone into a pit of fire. (laughs) No, I really like talking on the phone. I find it much easier to understand what someone's saying. I just, because you can hear, can't you, tone of voice and stuff like that. So I much, much prefer a telephone call. So I was all for it. Answered the phone. We're chatting back and forwards, life stories, but it really flowed well. It wasn't like, it wasn't just a, so what's your favourite colour? Like it really just was a very natural conversation. We were on the phone for like two hours and then he said to me, I do have to tell you something before this goes any further. And I was just thinking, right, yeah, of course you do. Go on then, tell me what it is. And he went, so I have been to prison. I was like, okay, do you want to tell me why? Um, He tells me the reason he went to prison was he was on a night out with some guys from work. Um, He'd been dragged out, one of those, oh, I'm only coming out for one. Ended up being there, steaming, had a great night, you know, shots all around, lads, 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 and all that jazz. Yeah. And uh, he went out for a cigarette. He's standing there with a couple of mates from work and he can see a fella and his missus having an argument. Apparently, the guy has grabbed the girl. He's then jumped in, defended her, lamped this bloke, like hit him really hard. Then some other guys have got involved. Like, so anyway, turns out he's gone to prison for GBH. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, like, he's telling the story and obviously 
I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, sounds quite honourable, doesn't it? Like, Your finger got closer and closer to the turn off phone button as this was happening. No, it didn't. I was like, oh, okay. Like, you were down for the whole story. Well, I'm just a bit of a sucker, aren't I? He'd sort of smoothed me and told me everything I'd wanted to hear for two hours before and then tells me this story. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, you seem like a decent guy. That sounds really plausible. Like, Mm -hmm. lovely. Mm -hmm. And I tried, (laughs) tried, like, Googling him and trying to find information online about the court case and stuff like that. Ooh, Detective Tash. Yeah, I just think he must have told me his surname because I wouldn't have been able to just find it with a a first name. But Yeah, with Jeff. yeah, Yeah, and... You can kind of work out by where you live, like what court you'd go to and stuff like that. But I couldn't, I couldn't find any information on it. And apparently he only went to jail for like three months or something like that. Got out for good behaviour and all that. Of course you did. Obviously I was gutted because I was like, this isn't somebody I want to be with because I don't know that that's the truth about that story. But then you also want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, don't you? Because actually stuff like that does happen, doesn't it? Somebody defends someone, somebody else ends up getting punched. I think he broke someone's jaw. Like, I think I think he went yeah, in. Yeah, I've got to say, grievous bodily harm, that's quite bad. Yeah, I'm it? sure he broke someone's jaw. Like, this, honestly, this happened like two, three years ago when I was talking to him. So it's the finer details are like sketchy now. It was quite horrific what had happened. It seems like it was more than just... A scuffle. A scuffle, yeah. There's parts of me that's like, if that story is true, then it is admirable, isn't it? Because you always hope that somebody would defend you if you were in a horrible situation with somebody, be it a partner or, you know, whatever. I always hope that if somebody would stand up for me if I needed that. So, yeah, I mean, we did carry on talking and then he ghosted me. And I was so pissed off. Because he thought, goes to you, know you the fucking goal. So like we spoke on the phone quite a few times, backwards and forwards, was texting for a while. I feel like it must have been in COVID because we couldn't meet up. Yeah, then he ghosted me and I was raging. You know, and you're like, you fucking kidding me. I gave you the benefit of the doubt and I was willing to accept that you were potentially a good man. And yeah, you ghosted me. Well, he probably went back to prison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in my honest opinion, Tash, it was probably a blessing because I don't believe that story for one single second. Well, I don't believe it anymore, you know. (laughs) I was quite naive at that point in my dating career. So I was like, (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's what happened. He's not the only person that I've spoken to. Uh, (laughs) I actually... um, Went on a date with someone that had been to prison, but he told me on the date. Oh, Ooh. awkward. I mean, I still went back to his house, had sex with so him. I <laughs> oh, obviously God. didn't think it was that awkward. <laughs> but that was a bit of a red flag there, Tash, waved <laughs> right in your face. <laughs> oh, but yeah. when, um, when we spoke about this last week, for some reason I thought he was still in prison when he called you. No. So I was kind of picturing you getting a call a and he goes boy. you are getting a call from eric blah 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 from the <laughs> state penitentiary of blah 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 <laughs> yeah no that's what i was picturing to accept this call press one <laughs> what did the guy that you got jiggy with go into prison for oh, still <laughs> what 
Stealing. I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. But stealing a car and having having drugs on him. Yeah, I don't know why. I was like, oh, okay. Still went back and had sex with him. Tash. You know what? Even though, yes, shouldn't do that. I'd rather a guy that stole a car than grievous bodily harm guy. At least he was honest because I don't, I I don't think he was lying about that. I mean, as long as he didn't hurt anyone, like, by crashing the vehicle oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But also, again, I don't know that I went into... Again, this is ages and ages ago, and then I made it a rule. A rule is not to go on a date with anyone that's been to prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I literally... So that those two happen in quite quick succession from each other. I think I'd went on the date with the guy that told me he'd been in prison... Then I like had that telephone correspondence with the other one. Then I made it a rule that you, <laughs> when people would be like, oh, what are your biggest turns off? And I was like, oh, if you've been in prison and you're a deadbeat dad, like. <laughs> oh, instant. Yeah. Or, yeah. Two massive turns off. Yeah, exactly. My three big no's are, do you still live in your box room that you grew up in? And have you been to prison or or do you not see your kids because your ex is crazy in adverted commas? Like they were three things that I'd always say is a big turn off. I think people that slag off their exes on like very quickly into the relationship or like on the first or second date. Yeah. Massive no. It's that thing when men and women, but both yeah the majority of the time men will say i don't see my kids at the moment because she won't let me she's crazy well go to court there are a few women out there that are crazy i thought you were gonna say i'm one of them <laughs> i was gonna say a few there's three of them here woo <laughs> was that woo your crazy sound like oh i'm so yeah. crazy but I do believe that if you're not seeing your children, there is a reason for it. And if there isn't a reason for it, fight for your children then, go to court. And part of you seeing your kids is to like get a job and shit. Don't, don't just sit at your mum's house or at Jerry's house yeah. smoking blunts all day. That's not how you get your children back. Agreed. <sighs> Shall we finish the Tinder with Tash? That's the end of Tinder with Tash this week. Stay tuned for... It turns out he was married next week. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you do the turkey sound? I don't know. I just didn't want to go because it was too predictable. Okay. Right. Becky. What? Oh, is it my turn? It is. Yeah. Oh. We well, see Tasha just talked about the time she shagged a convict <laughs> and now it's your go. Yeah. Have I shagged a convict? And, and, and then it's me. That's how the thing works. Have you shagged a convict, Emma? <gasps> Emma has. Emma went I, quiet. I haven't. I haven't. I had to think. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Silent told us everything. No. Everything we needed to know. <laughs> I haven't. I just wanted to make doubly sure, but Can I haven't. Can we just not call him a convict? Because actually... I think, I'm not saying I've ever stolen a car or I've transported drugs because I absolutely haven't done either of those things. But I think there are lots of people that have done that and just haven't got caught. He was just unfortunate. Yeah, but he was and he was convicted, (laughs) which makes him a convict. 
Oh, but you've probably, I don't know if you, either of you specifically have, but you potentially have had sex with men that have done stuff like that or have done illegal things and would go to prison. I most definitely have not. I don't know what you're assuming. (laughs) They've all been saints with golden penises. (laughs) All of them. Until you came along. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not containing it, and I don't think that he should have done that, but I just think there's worse things to go to prison for. But yeah, there is. (laughs) We're going to talk about it now, aren't we, Bex? (laughs) Yep. Don't get too turned on, Tash. (laughs) Oh, what is my life? (laughs) (laughs) Entertaining. That's what it is. Are you sitting comfortably, my pretties? Yes. Okay. Right. Tash is just like not answering. Yeah, it's just like no fucking guys. (laughs) Scrolling through the paper, (laughs) the Daily Mail. See her Mm -hmm. next uh, match. (laughs) Inmate.com. Yeah. I heart convicts. (laughs) 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 listen i've seen those girls on tiktok they are in love those men make them feel very special of course they do (laughs) and they're the only ones no one else sends them letters no nobody else nobody else whatsoever (laughs) right so i've done you an oldie emma oh i wanted to do a survival one but this is not Oh. But it's a very it's an old one. Okay. So it's better than it being last year. Yeah. Still worried about Guy George. Oh, I mean it's still it's still her- horrible. Like you say, it makes it makes it just that little bit further away. Is he out yet, by the way, Guy George? I don't think so, because it would have been all over French news if he was out. He was able to put in his parole in March twenty twenty, but has hasn't done it. So he has to be the one that puts himself forward for it. Okay, and he hasn't. And he has said, Je vais m'infliger une peine, je ne sortirai jamais de prison. Vous serez tranquille. So he said that I'm gonna, you know, go, he's gonna... uh, He's going to inflict prison on himself and he's never getting out and everybody can live in peace. Thank you, because I was like stuttering. I couldn't get my words out. I was Sorry. like, hum, le, hum, le, le. <laughs> <laughs> could you hear me? I was like, hum, le, le. <laughs> so I don't even know how I found this story. I think it was a little bit random. Ooh, I've got a random one as well. Aren't they all random? No, sometimes I have a little thought process as explained with the <laughs> with the oil rigs. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> you loved that one, didn't you, Dash? I found that really interesting. I enjoyed it. I was so confused the whole way through. <laughs> and I now know how it all works, you know. If it comes up in a quiz, I'll be like, I know. Yeah, you're welcome. Knowledge. And, you know, body um, body spe- selling. Not body selling. Body brokers. Body brokers. Yeah. Body selling. What the fuck? I know all the good stuff. Yeah. Bring on the quiz. Yep. The morbid quiz. Right, so I got on my story because we're miles into this. My story starts in 1849 when Martha Garretson was born. So Martha, her nickname was Matty. Maddie, like that. So Matty, so I'll, I'll be calling her that throughout the story. She grew up in Milston, New Jersey. 
Not much is known about her early life because it was quite a long time ago, but it's believed that she grew up in poverty and had quite a difficult childhood because of that. She didn't have much luck because at the age of 23, she was struck in the head by a moving sleigh and her brother said that she never fully recovered from her injuries and became kind of not unhinged. Again, a bit like many other stories that we've gone on about on this podcast, her personality changed quite a lot. A bit of the uh, brain injury there? Yeah. T-B-H? Yeah. T-B-I? Bit the old T-B-H. T-B-I? Oh, yeah, what am I saying H? That was, t- to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> what, what an idiot. <laughs> T-B-I, T-B-I. Not to be honest. It was, to be honest, it was T-B-I. So Matty lived in New Jersey and worked as a dressmaker. She married a man named Wesley Savacool. They had a son together and named him Ross. Wesley was a bit of a dick and abandoned Matty and their son when Ross was three years old. Dickhead. He just kind of woke up one day and decided to nope out of the marriage and disappeared. He would later die, I think it was of pneumonia. Well, not long afterwards, so... Karma. Karma, karma, llama. Being a single mother back then, even though it wasn't her fault, it was frowned upon, and also it made it very, very hard for her to make a living. Mm. So she was finding it harder and harder to get food on the table. Then Matty met a family called the Ashenbacks, and she befriended them. They had not long lost their son, so... Matty made the hard decision to give a person to this family so that he could have a better life. The family renamed him William and Matty left and never saw her son again. Oh, that's really sad. Horrible, isn't it? Bless her. In 1893, Matty relocated to New York and went to work as a housekeeper for a man named William W. Place at 598 Hancock Street in Brooklyn. William was a widower with two children. He wanted a mother figure for his children and sympathised with Matty's situation with the whole thing with them, having to give up her son, and they gradually started a romantic relationship. I was going to say, they're going to get jiggy. Mm-hmm. William was about, it was in his 40s when they got met, and she was a bit younger. William's family did not like Matty at all, mainly because they were polar opposites. William was calm, quite well off and attractive. Matty was quick to anger, poor and ugly, apparently. But I just think it was life that threw a few, you know, hard turns at her. I think she just looked a bit tired. (laughs) Despite this, they married and had a daughter together. William worked as a carpenter. So they were, you know, making good money, but often he would be unemployed, which at those times it put a strain on their finances. But marital bliss did not follow. Matty and her husband's relationship was strained. They often argued. Matty was known to have a temper, a really bad one, and she was physically abusive towards William. Oh, that's not cool, Matty. Mm Mm-hmm. Matty also started to grow deeply jealous of her stepdaughter, Ida. So William's daughter. That's just weird. Mm. I don't like it when the stepmoms get jealous of the daughters. It's creepy. Horrible as hell. Happens all the time. She felt that her husband loved his daughter more than he did her. Yes, he did. Yeah, he should. Of course he did. That's how it works. 
and her jealousy rapidly changed into hatred for the little girl. William would always and rightly stick up for his daughter when there were arguments between her and his wife, and he would often take her side. As the child grew into a pretty young woman and became more of a contrast to Matty, her hatred of Ida grew and grew. Because of this, Ida suffered years of mental and occasional physical abuse from her stepmother. Oh, what a bitch! I know. When Ida was 17, she had met a guy and was engaged to be married, mainly to escape her horrific stepmom. Yeah, go for it, Ida. So as things were moving along with her relationship and she was nearly out of that house, she could like see the light at the end of the tunnel. Then on the morning of the 7th of February, 1898, Ida, knowing that she wouldn't be living there much longer, decides to tell her father about the abuse at the hand of her stepmother. William is shocked and confronts his wife. A huge argument broke out. William and Matty fought and Ida took her father's side, obviously. And when William left for work, Matty turned on her stepdaughter. Oh no. Ida ran upstairs to her room and Matty was like screaming and like chasing after her. So Ida slammed her bedroom door in Matty's face and then that was the end of the argument. That was a lot of the time how their arguments ended. But this time, Matty wasn't having it. She didn't go all axe through the door, did she? No, no, here's Johnny. No, she didn't quite go like that. Here's Matty. (laughs) (laughs) So William was an amateur photographer, as well as a carpenter. Cool, he's busy guy, isn't he? Yeah, lots of projects. So photography, I don't know if it's still the case, I assume it's not, but back then it involved the use of acid, which Matty knew he kept on his desk. So she goes and gets it, goes upstairs to Ida's bedroom, opens the door, runs up to Ida with a mug of acid in her hand and throws it in her face. What a piece of shit. While Ida writhed in pain on her bed, Matty heaped bedding on her face and smothered her to death. What? Then she went downstairs and picked up an axe. So she shoved a load of like her, of her bedding on top of her and like. No, I get it, but why would she put acid in her face and then smother her to death? Well, to just make her ugly and make her suffer. Yeah, I think the acid was definitely so that she wouldn't be pretty anymore in in Matty's eyes. So that's when Matty went downstairs and picked up an axe that she found in the cellar and waited for her husband to come home. Wanting to get rid of him too. You said you were getting away from axes, but she's got an axe. Oh, yeah. Well, sorry. (laughs) I lied. (laughs) So she's hiding in the house waiting for him to get back. When an unsuspecting William came home from work, she kind of, like in some sort of horror film, came out of the darkness and struck him with the axe. But he managed to stumble back out of the house onto the street, blooded and crying for help. I didn't plan that, did you, Matty? Nah. So Matty fled into the kitchen and tried to kill herself by turning on the gas and setting the house on fire. Instead, the police arrived before the house was like fully ablaze. They found Matty on the floor with clothes over her head 
and there was like gas seeping everywhere into the rooms. They turned all that off and managed to stop anything before a full fire broke out. Yeah. So they managed to stop it from spreading. Upstairs, they discovered the body of 17-year-old Ida lying on the bed, blood coming from her mouth. So they went and arrested Matty. So Matty wasn't dead or burnt or anything. Well, she was starting to get a bit gassed out from the gas all in the she house. She wasn't even a bit singed or anything. No, nothing. No, not quite. It hadn't like exploded or anything, but you know, if you're breathing gas for all that time, I assume that does something. No, breathing in gas is not a good idea. Yeah. Soon afterward, the sensational trial of Martha Place, so Matty Place, began. That July, journalists swarmed the murder trial, saying things like this quote from the newspaper The World, her face is not pleasant, and she looks like a woman who has spent most of her life fretting and worrying. Haven't we all, to be fair? <laughs> I know, exactly. What does she look like? <laughs> <laughs> The New York Times additionally described Martha, or Matty, as being stoic and having the kind of face that reminds one of a rat. Oh. Yeah. Their report noted that her face didn't change during the murder trial except when William testified. Only at that point did her thin lips part into a satanic grin when she fixed her eyes upon him. After the trial, Martha was found guilty of the murder of her stepdaughter and sentenced to death. And her husband was the the key witness against her. So she got transferred to prison, so a prison called Sing Sing in the state of New York. So she got transferred there. A few years earlier, they had a bit of a reform about how people should be put to death. So they got this brand new toy in the state of New York. The goal was to determine a new, more humane system of execution to replace hanging. The fact that you've said toy doesn't fill me with confidence about how humane it is. Yeah, so apparently a New York lawyer and politician, Matthew Hale, and a Buffalo dentist and experimenter, Alfred P. Southwick, had apparently been developing an idea since the early 1880s of using electric currents as a means of capital punishment after hearing about how relatively painlessly and quickly a drunken man died due to grabbing the energised parts of a generator. After seeing this guy get electrocuted to death, they decided to make that into capital punishment, thus giving birth to the electric chair. Old Sparky. Yeah. So by the time our lovely... Matty had got round to be sentenced to death. The electric chair had been used for 11 executions in New York, but all of the condemned had been men. Starting with the convicted murderer, William Kemmler, who, when he was executed, he... You get, like, the first shock that normally kills you, but what they, they decided to do was shock people twice because after the first guy, he didn't die quite on the first one okay so they like put it as their company policy to electrocute people twice to make sure that they're definitely dead okay since the electric chair had never been used on a woman before 
Matty allegedly believed that she would be spared at the last minute because of, like, public outcry. The force of the vagina. The vagina will save me. Yes. But the governor of New York, Roosevelt, refused to commute her sentence. So on the morning of the 20th of March, 1899, she emerged from her cell. She was wearing a black dress that she made herself and made her way to the execution room. The, the last woman that was, the, so the woman before that was condemned to die in this state went to the gallows shrieking and fighting because she was going to be hanged. Apparently, Matty just kind of didn't say anything. She just very, very calm, hardly uttered a word on her way there. Matty's gender created some obstacles for her executioners. Her thick graying hair had to be clipped back so that the electrodes could be placed on her forehead. Her long skirt was slit so that the electrodes could be placed on her ankles without exposing them because, God forbid, they can electrocute a human being, but if they show an ankle, ah, Satan will be up here in a quick minute. Listen, she might have been ugly, but she had fucking sexy ankles. People would be clawing at them. All those ankle bones were so in the right place and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that little bony bit that sticks out, you know? Oh, Ooh, don't get me, don't get me. Stop talking dirty, Emma. You know that knobbly <laughs> bit? Just rub it. Oh, yeah. knobbly. I'm rubbing Did it now. Word, knobbly? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> if I can compose myself again, <clears throat> I'll finish my story. Sorry. <laughs> So, strapped into place, Matty uttered her last words, which were, God help me. Should have thought of that before, Matty, mate. Yeah. For abusing your stepchildren for years. So, her death was instantaneous, but the mandatory two shocks were given. State electrician Davis threw down the lever at exactly 11.01am. The voltage of the current was 1,760 and was continued for four seconds and then it was gradually diminished to 200 voltage which was then continued for 56 seconds. She was examined after the first shock and was pronounced dead but the second shock, like I said, they have to do the second shock anyway. Martha Matty Place was dead at the age of 49. Matty may have been the first woman to die by the electric chair, but she wouldn't be the last. As time went on, it proved to be a popular method of execution in the United States. Nearly 8,800 executions took place between 1890 and 2010, and 4,374 took place in the electric chair. So they loved that sparky chair. Yeah, as such, Martha Place is more than just the Brooklyn murderess. The woman found guilty of killing her teenage stepdaughter in the fit of rage and jealousy, and is also the first woman to die by the electric chair. So she also makes up an important part of the history of capital punishment in the United States. That's my story for this week. I just feel bad for Ida. Poor Poor thing. She had her life all set up. She was going to marry a bloke, get out of it, and then last minute, boom. I mean, I kind of felt sorry for Matty up to the point that she started taking all of her grievances out on her stepchildren. It's just 
turned into the typical evil stepmother. Yeah, and and saying stuff like, oh, you love her more than me. Yeah, of course he does. It's his child. That's normal. If you're listening to this and you're a stepmom. Don't be a matty. Yeah, don't be a matty, please. It is normal for a dad to love his children more than you. Yeah, as you love your children, if you have any, more than anything else. Of course. Well, thanks for that, Bex. So there. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Becky, Becky, Bex. So, what have you got for us this week, Emarsh? Well, I think we're going to stick a trailer here, because that's what we do, because we're nice. So have a trailer. Thanks. Hey, this is Kate. I'm a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, and I collect stories. Everything from true crime to trauma to parenthood. There's a lot more in common between depression and sociopathy, or between serial killers and podcasters, than you might think. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at iwbpodcast.com and iwbpodcast on social media. Okay, so this week I have another ghost story and it's a really random one. It's, it's one that I got in a book and I can't remember what the book's called, but it was written by somebody called Roxy Fisher. She's the lady that went through the haunting. And I bought this book on my Kindle ages ago and completely forgot about it. And then I read it the other week and I thought, oh, I will do a story on this. So I can pretty much guarantee that nobody will have heard this story before. Ooh, I like it. Yes. Yeah, I've put it together best I can because the book was a bit all over the place, but it's still spooky. Okay. And also, I don't know anybody's name apart from the author. I mean, it only revolves around three people, so it doesn't get confusing. Yeah. Well, you couldn't just call one of them Gary, like what Tasha would do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So this is pretty recent. In 2001, the Fisher family were looking for a bigger home. They were tired of living in their small flat, and so they started visiting properties. Sounds a bit like last week, doesn't it? Yeah. And that didn't end well. No, it did not. No, it didn't. They eventually fell in love with a pretty house in La Ronge, Saskatchewan. And I hope that I've pronounced that properly. Saskatchewan. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Okay, well, we're going with that, Saskatchewan. It had a large garden for their son to play in. So they put an offer in and it was accepted immediately. A few days later, the paperwork was signed and they were now the proud owners of their very own house. It didn't take long to move as they had few belongings in their tiny flat and soon enough they were all moved in and Roxy, who's Mrs Fisher, was excitedly trying to plan out how to decorate, which pictures to hang where and things of that sort. She was so happy to finally own her own house, it felt like a dream come true. It's not going to be a dream. No. No, no, no. Your stories never go that way. The first incident happened just after three days of living in their new house. Roxy rolled over in her sleep trying to get comfy and looked up and to her absolute horror, she saw a man floating above her. She couldn't make out a face, but she knew it was staring at her. More terrifying was the fact that his body was missing from the hips down. Oh, (laughs) She laid there staring right back at the thing and eventually she must have drifted back to sleep. How? 
Well, because you're in that kind of semi-awake, yeah. semi-sleep. Yeah, well, then again, I say how, but when I see my sleep demons, I just go back to sleep afterwards, so it's fine. So there you go. So, okay, take that back. So she drifted back to sleep, and the next thing she knew, it was morning. She just assumed it had been a bad dream. New house, new sounds, making her imagination go wild. And so she thought nothing more of it. Over the next few days, she received calls from her neighbours saying that there was a large wolf sleeping under their car. But every time she checked, it had gone. Eventually, one evening, they saw what people thought was a wolf. It was a large female husky, fur frozen by the cold, sat on their porch. They tried coaxing the dog inside, but she was too frightened. And then one night, the cold got too much and the husky came inside. And that was that. The dog had a new home. They had adopted her, got her seen by a vet who said she was around 10 and had obviously been quite severely beaten in the past. So, side note, anybody who beats their animals, you're a dickhead. A big fat dickhead. Actually, scrap that. A really small dickhead because that's worse. You've got a small dick in your pants but a massive one on your forehead. Yeah. Yeah. To begin with, the dog slept in the fisher's bedroom for the first two nights and then she decided that it was a no from her and left to sleep elsewhere. She would never step foot in that bedroom again. Even after Roxy tried coaxing her in with a treat, she just sat by the door panting and ran off the second the door was opened. About a month after adopting their new dog, Roxy would have another horrible experience in their bedroom. She was awoken by the sound of nails clawing at the foot of her bed and then a weird dragging sound, like something was grasping with their nails and then dragging their body behind them. Her memory instantly shot back to the floating man with no legs. She tried to convince herself it was a dog, only to hear the distinctive sound of her dog walking around and having a drink outside of the bedroom but she was still hearing whatever this thing was dragging itself up to her nightstand. She was too afraid to move, to breathe. She eventually let out a gasp, and as she did, the thing stopped, as if it had suddenly realised that it wasn't alone in the room. She knew there was something laying on the floor right next to her, but she couldn't build up the courage to look. She pulled the covers over her head and waited for morning. She told her husband, who just brushed it off, because that's what they always do. But for the next few months, she was afraid to even use the loo during the night. She couldn't stop thinking that this thing was under her bed, ready to claw her ankles with its long fingernails. That is one of the reasons I have a bed that goes all the way to the ground. Yeah, me too. Nothing can get under my bed. Yeah. Anything under your bed, Bex? Massive dildos. Massive dildos. <laughs> oh, yeah. A sea of dildos is underneath my bed. So many of them. One for every day. <laughs> and then the memory and fear faded and life continued as normal. Can you imagine that, though? Hearing something dragging itself along the floor in the pitch black to the side of your bed yeah what do you even do like well you hide under the covers like she yeah. does yeah smaller things were happening in the house and again roxy wasn't overly worried about it roxy has just to be clear she's braver so much braver than i am because i would be out 
I would not be sticking around. After the first floating guy, I'd be like, yeah, we're not staying. Pack your bags. Would you guys stick it out? Oh, no, mate, I'm, I've left already. <laughs> I think a lot of the time, though, it's like a financial situation, which bring, stops people from moving as well. Oh, well, yeah, they just bought it. So I understand wanting to stay, but I don't know. I'm a bit of a wuss. Yeah. I think if my mum, like, lived not far, I'd be like, mum, can I come and stay with you? Also, <laughs> as much as every time we're like, why didn't they leave? I think sometimes if, like, one thing happens, you just try and explain it away, don't you? Because also we only hear about these stories once the whole story is complete. This is true. Yeah. Do you know what it's I mean? True. So, like, so we're not there whilst it's happening. I get what you mean. I was willing to go on a date with this guy because it was only one story. It was only one time he went to prison. Had it have been three or four times, then maybe I wouldn't have been so willing. <laughs> well, one would hope not to <laughs> Well, it's like when you piece it together, like, you know, them's, yeah. I don't know, certain people that were found out to be a little bit, bit snaky. And you kind of look back and think, actually, and you kind of feel bad about yeah. putting people out or something. And then you, you look back and you think, all the things that they've done, and you think, actually, this person's a piece of shit. Yeah. It's a bit like that, but with ghosts. It is. It is a bit like that. So smaller things were happening in the house. And again, Roxy wasn't overly worried about it, but it was more of an annoyance. Lights would turn themselves on when she was sure she'd turn them off as she needed to save money whenever possible, as houses during the winter in Saskatchewan cost a lot to heat during the winter months. Her washing machine would stop mid-cycle, and when she checked, she saw that the lid had been opened. After a while of this, she said out loud, Could you please stop it? And it did, for weeks. But then it started again. Her son heard strange noises in his room too, odd, low humming at the end of his bed, like pulsating electricity, a bit like last week again with the electricity sounds. But he never experienced anything horrendous. There must have been something in there, though, as a dog wouldn't go inside that room either. Roxy always got a weird feeling in there, too. One night, her husband was snoring and her son was at a sleepover, so she decided to sleep in his room. That didn't last as she felt something watching her and the feeling made her so uneasy that she got back up and went to sleep with her snoring husband. Have you ever had that, when you can, like, feel somebody watching you, but there's nobody there? Yeah. It's not nice, is it? Horrible. Yeah. It's not nice because you don't don't get any, like, not closure from it, but you have the horrible feeling and you never figure out who it is. Mm. Then... The Knocking began. Oh, I remembered the title of the book. It's Knock Knock by Roxy Fisher. There we go. Roxy would be woken up every morning by three loud bangs coming from above her headboard. It sounded like a big brass knocker at the door, but every time she went to check, no one was there. She got so fed up of the knocks that she moved her bed to the opposite wall, but the loud bangs followed and even made the windows rattle. She was still being woken up every day by the loud, echoing bangs. Smells would also permeate throughout the house. Sometimes it was cookies and perfume, which made her feel safe and warm like she was at her grandma's. But other times the smells were like raw sewage, so strong that it would wake her up in the night 
and she would have to cover her nose with the blankets to try and ignore the fact that that probably meant there was an evil entity in her room. Then, both her and her husband were woken up by the carbon monoxide detector at 3am, three nights in a row. They would reset it each time and it would never pick anything back up. They still got someone to come and check that there weren't any leaks from the boiler, but nothing was found. After that, the detector never went off again. And 3am's the witching hour, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the good one to be woken up at that time. It's not. So three times at 3am in the morning. Mmm, spooky. Mmm, a bit satanic, It's not good, that. is it? No. Yeah. Mr. Fisher, or as we shall call him, Gary, (laughs) had left for the weekend to go on a hunting trip. The first night, everything was fine and Roxy enjoyed having the bed to herself. But the next night, for no apparent reason, she felt scared. So she asked her son to come and sleep with her. She felt better having someone in with her. In the morning, they both woke up and as her son rolled over to say good morning, she saw he had a huge scratch, the width of a fingernail down the side of his face, from his cheek to his chin. She asked, what did you do? He had no idea what she was talking about. She checked the bed and pillows to see if there was anything sharp, but found nothing. The wound hadn't even bled, it just kind of oozed a sort of clear liquid. The scratch took ages to heal and left a scar that her son still has to this day. The family ended up adopting another little dog, a Shih Tzu, and both their dogs got on really well, which was a blessing. The little dog had much the same feelings for the bedrooms as the husky, until one day it wandered into Roxy's son's room, only for it to yelp out in pain and rush out as fast as its little legs could carry it. This happened multiple times to the poor little dog, as if something was coaxing it in and then scaring or hitting it once inside. It's uncomfortable, is this story. I don't like it very much. Yeah, I feel very uncomfortable too. Roxy had talked about the strange occurrences at her house with her work colleagues, and so they decided it would be fun to have a party there. She was really looking forward to some downtime with her friends, but the ghost had other ideas. As they were all sat chatting, the power went out. Now, everybody could see the neighbouring houses still had power, so they knew it wasn't a shortage. Everyone was deadly silent, terrified. And then the lights came back on. Roxy grabbed another drink, expecting to carry on the party, but all her friends hurried to the door to leave, with the last lady saying, I've heard things about this house and I'm not staying, sorry. What a great party, Roxy thought to herself. So she's so used to it, she was just like, oh, that was weird. Let's carry on getting drunk. Her mates were like, no, we're out. Yeah. Maybe listen to your mates. Yeah. Maybe. Her husband, who had always poo-pooed these happenings, would soon experience something inexplicable that would change his mind pretty quickly. He was in the garden shed looking for his tool belt. The shed was dark and he couldn't see much. And he said out loud, some light would help. And then the flashlight in his tool belt lit up by itself. No. Yeah. He grabbed it quickly and left. He was extremely puzzled by the event and after telling Roxy about it, he never spoke of it again. Another evening, Roxy was watching TV and she heard a whooshing sound that seemed to be coming from inside the walls. There are seven dead soldiers in the walls. (sighs) 
<laughs> thanks thanks for that nightmare back again <laughs> do you notice that i do that every now and again yes by the way? of course i do you never mention it of i mean obviously you mention it are uh, you hear it but you never mention it yeah no i do hear it she just thinks it's in her head <laughs> god i'm so fucking funny she went and put her ear up against it and it was indeed coming from inside. She thought maybe the insulation was falling or that there were mice nesting, so she pounded loudly on the wall, but the noise only intensified. Oh. She put her ear against it and said, Hello? Is someone stuck in the wall? Joking, of course. But in response came a loud bang as if someone had hit the wall with their fist. It made her ears ring and she felt the sound vibrate through her skull. Obviously, it was neither mice nor falling insulation. No, I don't think it was. One day, she was in her kitchen chatting to her husband and they both heard a large crash. It was a painting that had fallen and smashed against the kitchen counter, a good seven feet away from where it was hung. Weirder still, it was hung in front of a shelf that had large decorative bottles on it. For some reason, I thought you were going to say it had large decorative boobies. No, no decorative boobies, just the bottles. <laughs> Do you know That's what I'm imagining? Those, those, those large decorative spoons and forks that people have in their kitchens. Do you know the ones I mean? Oh, the wooden kind of ones. Yes. Those big yes. ones. Yeah. I was thinking of boobs. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. Large right. decorative boobies. <laughs> That's the reason I really thought you were going to say that. Well, I mean, you can picture boobies, but they were large. And okay. there were bottles filled with little um, coloured beans. Yeah. So the painting actually hung a little bit behind these bottles. So if it had just slipped off, like if the nail had come out of the wall or the rope had broken that was hanging it, it would have automatically knocked all the bottles off the shelf. Yeah. But it didn't. And it was seven feet away from where it was hung. It was like somebody had picked the painting up and thrown it. Oh. So this made them both uneasy, but they just cleared it up silently and got on with their lives. I don't, I don't see me getting on with my life after that. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, it's weird, isn't it? So another time, Roxy was on the phone to her friend and they, she heard a loud bang. She remembers she even ducked as if there'd been a bomb or something, but nothing was out of place, except a wine glass. Not the wine! <laughs> no! <laughs> it had come off the shelf and was now stood several feet away. Not broken, just stood on the ground. She pointed it out to her husband, who was as confused as she was. The wine glasses were kept on a shelf, probably next to the decorative boobies. Ah, oh, the, the booby shelf. <laughs> and even if it had fallen off by the vibrations from the bang, so let's say the bang was a sonic boom or something, yeah? Yeah, kaboom. Yeah. Even if it had been that logical explanation and it had vibrated and made the glass fall it would have smashed they couldn't find an explanation for how or why it was placed so carefully on the floor the most horrifying part of the haunting for me and i'm sure for them too was the disembodied voices roxy would hear her name being called whilst she was in the shower 
This is my ultimate fear. I always freak out in the shower. You're so vulnerable and naked in the shower, that's why. It's because I'm, yeah, and it's because you can't hear because of the water. You can't hear properly. And your eyes are closed because you're washing your hair. You are, you're super vulnerable. And every time I'm like, what if if somebody walks in? It's going to freak me out. So yeah, she would hear these voices while she was in the shower. She would peek out at the curtain to see if someone had come in the bathroom, but no one would be there. She even turned the water off to listen for an answer after she'd shouted, What? But nothing ever came. Her son also said he would hear her calling him, but when he came to look, she was either not there or she'd absolutely not been calling him. She remembers one time hearing a long, Mom! as if her son had been calling her and now was getting annoyed that she wasn't answering. She went to his room only to remember that he had gone out with friends. From then on, they agreed that if they needed anything, that they had to get up and go to talk to one another to avoid confusion between themselves and the mimicking spirits. Roxy would often feel her hair being played with, not in a horrible way, a bit like a mum who was doing her daughter's hair. But even so, she didn't like it, and she'd always pull her hair to one side and keep hold of it. She would also feel little pebbles or marbles being thrown at her, but she never once found any trace of them. In 2006, as Roxy was pregnant with her second child, they decided to move to the city where there were more opportunities for the kids. Not because their house was obviously haunted as fuck, which baffles me. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's more like, let's let's go and give the kids more opportunities, not get away from all these smelly ghosts. Yeah. Well, at least they're doing it. Yeah, after five years, they are moving. So this has all happened over the space of five years. So I suppose, yes, once I've put it all together, it sounds like a lot. But over the course of five years, probably, you know. Yeah, like you say. And once they'd moved, the family didn't experience any further paranormal activity. And there you go. All's well that ends well. Yeah. The haunting of the Fisher family. And I bet that you haven't heard that story before. I have not. I I enjoyed it though. Thanks for having him. It was rather uncomfortable at times. Mm. I didn't like the thing dragging itself along the floor. Yeah, I'm not here for that. Mm. Or floating above her bed. Nope, fuck that. I'm out. Nah. None of that. No, hating all of that. Hating all of that, yeah. All the disembodied voices. Like, I don't like things. I don't like the word disembodied. It's, it's horrific in itself. Yeah, I hate that every time you say the word. I agree with you, oh, Becky. Right. It's oh. not I don't like it when enjoyable word. Like stuff mimics stuff. I don't know. It really creeps me out. When, like, the what ghost... Do you, are, you scared of, are you scared of parrots? Yeah, I'm not a fan of parrots. A little bit freaky, isn't it, really, to be fair? Do you want to have a horror story? Yeah, dying for it. Are you ready? Yes. I am. You're on a train, stuck there, where no one will go freely. You are with nobody you know. You feel the pain, as if you were dying. You are scared, terrified, and playing with fire. The fire that keeps you alive. You are lost, screaming for help. Alone in the dark, death is upon you. I am upon you. You should relax. Take it easy, because there's nothing you can do. Let go of it. Let go of the fire. 
so your pain will never be. Ooh. And that, guys, was written by Sebastian. Oh! Sebastian! (laughs) Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks for writing that in. It was really well written. Well done. Really well written. Well done, brother. Yeah. I'd say really well read as well. Yeah. Sebastian, do you want a job? (laughs) 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 You can do our horror. He's my brother. He can do all of them for me. (laughs) Oh, hey. (laughs) You should lend him to me every now and again. (laughs) So that is actually our first listener song. So that's exciting. That is exciting. I'm... I've got ideas, but I'm not sure. Okay, well, you can tell me after recording. I will. I will indeed. All right, shall we let the people go? Let's let the people go. I will put all our social media information in the details of this episode with our email address if you want to email any stories or case suggestions to becky or any horror song song. answers yeah or horror songs or if you need to know about making tea you know we're here for it we we will we'll answer anything won't we we will did we not get a message um today saying that someone appreciated tea corner they loved it they loved tea corner see uh, we will genuinely answer any question you ask pretty much any question yeah. I can't think of a subject that we wouldn't discuss right now. No. We'd answer as honestly as possible. Will it be correct? Well, no, probably, probably not. not. We'll say what we think. <laughs> we will say it with confidence. Yeah. And therefore it shall be. There we go. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, come and join our Facebook page. You can catch us on TikTok. Uh, we, you know, we have a good time. We have some nice followers. We have some lovely followers, indeed. We in have fact. some great followers. We have the best followers, I think. Yes, I agree. Serial chillers, the lot of them. Yeah. Anyway, ladies, let's go. Let's go. Stay safe, guys. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. My microphone smells of cat piss. Nice. <laughs> oh. Why? Do you think your cat could have pissed on it? Well, I don't see why or how. Because <laughs> cats are evil. <laughs> but my face is like two inches away from it. I know I can smell it. Wash it with Febreze. Poof. Unless it's my breath. Maybe I've got cat piss breath. <laughs> <laughs> What's worse? What's worse? I don't know. <laughs> Actually smelling cat piss. Or your breath <laughs> smelling like cat piss. Do you have, have piss breath, Emma? I think... I don't know. I don't know. What do they say? Lick the back of your hand and then sniff that. 
if 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 it smells if that smells like cat piss it's your breath okay my it's not skin. my breath i just did that and my skin is really salty yeah my skin didn't <laughs> taste great it smelled of dis- uh, it's tasted of disinfectant oh anyway shall we get on <laughs> with my pissy microphone <laughs> can smell your microphone from here <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting high off the cat pee fumes over here. Mm, the ammonia. Oh. <laughs> they can't off. It's such a weird thing to piss on. Emma, you've had cats all your life. Why are you surprised? Because nobody's ever it's... pissed on my microphone before. Well, have you had microphones before now? I, I know who it was, if someone has. It's definitely Albert. Of course it's fucking Albert. <laughs> He was like, oh, hey, my oh, phone, pissy, pissy, pants pissy. Oh, do you know oh, what it might be? It might be cat jizz. Maybe one of them made sweet, sweet <gasps> love to my microphone. Because <laughs> of the fuzzy bit. <laughs> oh. Good job we're not on video because you would have nearly seen my lunch. <laughs> oh, where's Jizz? Oh, I've started. Hold on, we, I'll just tell you about this very, very quickly. Uh, do, have you watched? You know the uh, Chris and Rosie Ramsey show, Tash. Yeah, and you know that they read the question. Well, things that the public wrote in, and yeah. there was a guy that wrote in he said that he was eating a tuna sandwich next to his dog and his dog at one point kind of stood up and sat back down again uh, because it wanted a bit of the sandwich and was getting a bit excited and it was like a tuna mayonnaise sandwich Uh so when he'd finished his sandwich oh i can't even (laughs) bloody tell the story (laughs) he finished his sandwich oh fuck hell and went into the kitchen and looked at his arm and he saw that he dropped a bit of his mayonnaise on his arm, or like a bit of the <laughs> no, juice from it. the tuna, and he licked it. And as he did it, it was the juice. It was the juice from his dog's anal <laughs> gland, <laughs> which apparently has a very fishy, shitty smell. <laughs> and yeah, he realised what he'd done just as he licked it and sort of like washed his tongue. He didn't smell. <laughs> Oh, you're so disgusted. Why did you tell us that? Because <laughs> oh, I had to win. I had to have the most ex- disgusting story. <laughs> I can't get over the fact that Becky was literally nearly sick at the idea of a cat humping my microphone. You said the word jizz on the microphone, which gave me an image of jizz on a microphone. And I was just... Um, the, my microphone is two centimetres away from my face. <laughs> But then she went on to tell a story about somebody <laughs> licking, licking anal gland juice from their dog. <laughs> I was nearly sick as I, as I said that. And when they read that out, I was gagging and I watched it at work, like on my on my um, uh, lunch break. I was by myself, but I was gagging, gagging. Anyway, I'll get on my story now. I'm gagging now for some murder. Now that we all have vomit stuck in our throats. I'm, I'm right. fine. I don't know. And yeah. I've got the pissy microphone. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs>
I am Emma, Queen of Piss Microphone. <laughs> Are you sure it's my? Yeah. I swear it's not that. It's not next to it. It's definitely that. Have you ever given it a good sniffle? No, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure, but I can just smell <laughs> cat piss. And this is the oh. only thing close to my face. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Let's move on. Moving nobody, on. Ca- nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares.